This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, ha- send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications. Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income forum, and somebody had asked a question about Indio, and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing, and streamlining the application process. Uh, so that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast. I'm Steve Anderson here along with my co-host Ryan Deeds. So Ryan, today we want to talk about the role of leadership in creating operational excellence. Absolutely. Because you can't have operational excellence without a clear direction, and you don't have a clear direction unless the leadership of the organization, agency, broker, uh, has um, an idea of what they need to do and and a a clear direction or at least a clear way of setting the standards for expectations for the operations team. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. To me, in, in this case, one of the one of the core things that the leader does is I'm a metaphors guy. I always try to draw it back to metaphors. The leader lays down the road. The leader puts up the signs to let you know you know how fast you're going. He draws the lanes to know to let you know where you're supposed to be. So when you swerve out of that lane, you have an indication that you're swerving out of that lane. And he he kind of puts it down and says, "Let's get there." And then he leaves it up to the team to get there. But without those signs, without the road, without the, without the lanes, the, the operations teams bumps into themselves sometimes. And, and the, being a part of an operations team, or multiple operations teams, I've seen that. And it's, and it's a weird thing. I mean, it's not something we talk about a whole lot because I think it's hard to articulate and you kind of feel like a whiner. But I think it's something that leaders need to be cognizant of. How often are they making sure that their direct reports understand what that direct report should be what result that direct report should be driving by the end of the year or by whatever time segment right so it, is it hard for a leader um, who comes out of a sales mindset and environment to actually make that transition into a leader and i guess i think you know where i'm headed with sure. this most agency owners mm-hmm. regardless of size right uh, come out of not operations side but they come out of the sales side right and understanding operations enough and the roles needed and right all kinds of things there uh, may not be intuitive no I think it's a struggle I mean I've seen I've seen like Cooper Jones I mean Cooper was a sales guy Cooper the, the leader Crichton, of Crichton Insurance that's Group right. here in Nashville. He's the, he's the young owner that's, that's rallying the team to, to, to get producers to, buy, to perpetuate it down. And in the last five years, I've seen him make that transition. 
and no, I think even he would he would say that that was a challenge for him because it goes against his natural instinct, right? Those guys are they're they're empowered by a different kind of winning, you know. But I think that the leader that goes in and understands that dichotomy, the the difference between who I was as a sales professional and who I'm going to be as the the clarion holder, the flag holder that everyone charges to the central goal for is a very different look. And I think you're right. I think there's a real difference between the sales mentality and actually a business owner. Mm -hmm. And often that transition, um, may, there may not have been a, a given enough consideration to think through, okay, what does that mean now? What's my role? Right. And how has that changed as I have become an owner uh, bought in, you know, what, whatever that perpetuation plan is for your organization. Right. But there is a different role there. And thinking through, not to make them operations people, because that's probably going to fail. Sure, right? absolutely. But make them, as you said, the, the cheerleader, the, the, the truly the leader, right? Well, yeah, the one in front saying, this is the way we're going. This is what we have to do. This yes. Is, this is the vision. That account manager who's going to be battling there until 6 o'clock at night needs to understand who you are and what your vision is and how do you drive that forward. And so, like, Crichton's been very, very lucky because they've had Jimmy Ward, who was the predecessor, that mentored and still mentors Cooper Jones. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy had been in that operations role from a sales role, and he had his own mentor. And so... You know, that's the kind of perpetuation that you want to see as the salesperson becomes a, a leader to rally the troops. If they can have that mentor in place, it makes such a significant difference. But I, I believe that every leader out there, every agency owner should be able to rally the troops towards one goal and help provide paths to get to those goals through the operations team. And I just see, I see a lot of uh, operational friction sometimes when that doesn't occur. And describe operational friction. What, so, what do you mean by that? So anything that detracts from your ability to make fast decisions, get stuff accomplished, and bring projects to fruition. And so if we take an example where you have two operations individual, maybe you have a COO and you, maybe you have a VP of commercial. And the COO thinks that her role is to help with um, hiring employees for the vice president of commercial. And the vice president of commercial doesn't think that, right? Okay. And the leader hasn't stuck their nose in and said, that's this person's call, not your call. You now have operational friction because you, there, there may be a perception of a lack of trust on the VP of commercial that says, you don't trust who I bring in and you're not empowering me, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe the CEO says, both of y'all interview this is the process. This is the deal. Who gets final say, though? I was going to say, who's the final decision? That, right? But that is, that's where the leader needs to step in. And the challenge is, too often what happens is, if you see that, that friction, and that's where that friction would come in, both of those party men, the VP of commercial and the CEO are now mad at each other. They, they think that, well, they don't trust me. They don't think I'm a good leader in that regard. And really, it wasn't that. Both are just trying to do the right thing for the organization, but there hasn't been clear delineation for that. So one of the first things, or a primary thing, is to actually define the roles Absolutely. in the organization. Absolutely. Whatever that might be. And again, you know, we've got smaller agencies that a 
COO, a chief operating officer, may not be a realistic position right now. But they may have an office manager. But they may have an office manager. That's right. Or someone who's been designated as, okay, you're going to they supervise the office, right? right? So it could be all kinds of different levels there. But being real clear as a leader, what they can do and what they can't do. Exactly. What their authority is, what their responsibility is, uh, and what it's not. And then refreshing that. I mean, I think because so often I've had, you know, for IT, it's a little different because everything that's technolo- technological falls into our purview. So it's that that's a clear delineator in that. But every other role in the organization has diff- has a lot of different components. Where does HR play? Where does the operational managers play? Where does the COO play? What's each one of their con- contributions to the greater good? And when the leader doesn't put that in place and then refresh that and, and make sure that everybody's on the same page with it, that's where you get people that don't, are not working as effectively together as they could. And you get these like little petty arguments. It's the good ops team that can identify that, have a clearing of their own, and come back together. And a lot of times that falls to the COO, right? The COO says, hey, you and you, you guys aren't getting along. Let's get in a room and figure out what the hell's going on. And then when you break it down, you realize that both of you were trying to do the same thing for the organization. And so nobody was wrong in that. It was just the perception of why it was done was misconstrued. Mm-hmm. But it all came from, and so now you've got these factions that are in there, and if it doesn't get taken care of, I've seen it really hurt organizations, right. you know? Where you just are these siloed business units that started from like a miscommunication because the leader didn't effectively describe that. Yeah. And I mean, so yeah. that's why so often, that's one of my first things to them is how, how well defined are the roles for your organization. You know? So how would a leader become aware of some of those frictions? Well, I think asking. Okay. Asking is a big deal, yeah. you know. Uh, checking in That's with your... That's easy on one level and not so easy on another. That's correct. But I do believe that you're, as a leader in the organization, you should be having some kind of periodical check-in, uh, not once a month. I mean, some kind of check-in, you know, with just, hey, manager, how are you doing? What's standing in your way? What's, what's impeding your excellence? Is there anything I can do to help you? You give them the option to have that communication with you, and then you kind of remove the excuse. If they, if they choose not to talk to you, if they choose not to bring that up, that's on them, mm-hmm. you know? But if you give them those opportunities the, and you're hiring the right people, they will take those opportunities to say, I'm a little confused about this. So the leader defining roles mm-hmm. and really setting direction. All day. How do they educate themselves on where the organization needs to go. And I, I'm thinking, you know, a couple things, notes we wrote down. Sure. Innovation. Mm-hmm. So agency owner may or may not know what's out there that they should be paying attention to. Right. So how do they, you know, build innovation within their organization? Or you know, the way I like to phrase it is, how do they create a culture of curiosity? Well, that's exactly correct. I mean, I think, I think that the world's changing so much that I'd be very surprised if, if most leaders aren't at least saying, can we be better today than we were yesterday, right? Which starts the curiosity. The problem is innovation, when it bubbles up, sometimes is very uncomfortable. And you can douse it and diminish it really quickly, right? I mean, if you had an account manager bring you some off-the-wall idea that you just knew operationally wouldn't work, but that employee didn't have the systemic vision, it may be better for you just to let them run with it. 
right? And it's, let it not work. That, for, instead of dousing the flame that they brought to you. Right. Right? Because then next time, they, right, they're they only going to even that's right. bring it to you like, oh, I tried that. that and they won't. They, they won't. won't. Right I mean, once you turn that down twice, I think that you, you lose that employee's desire to try to make their experience better because it's a futile thing. And it's hard to go and say, I mean, as a person that builds product and has built product, I get so gun shy of, of trying to say, I see something that's really cool. And then you get this blank stare and you just are like, oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just right. like, and I've been through that cycle so many times. So I just stopped trying to show, I just, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put it on LinkedIn and somebody out there will think it's cool. Right. Yeah. And so and that's really what I do now, because that way I don't have to try to take all that, take all the punishment that I do to myself. And so I think if the leader can figure out how do they have a culture that, that is curious, that they let bubble up, that they take ideas and that they make sure that their managers understand that that is a core thing in the organization, that curiosity. Can we do things differently? Is this the best way? And, and I have to interject this. And just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean we have to continue to do it that way. That's right. I think that's one of the big issues we've had is with agencies and, and creating really efficiencies and not, not just faster but more effective is we don't keep asking, why are we doing this this way? Do we still have to do it this way? There may have been a reason a year or two years or five years ago, ten years ago, there absolutely probably was a good reason. Is that reason still there? Right. But we don't continually ask. That's right. Why? Like facts. I, I think about um, we'd get a fax log in, and, and you know, you're sitting in 2005, and you might attach that fax log to the system to show that it came in. Right. Well, if Tom has been attaching the fax log for 10 years, and you come up and you say, hey, you don't have to do that anymore because we're automatically capturing that, I mean, that is such a that may be such a huge time saver, but it may be very painful for Tom to give that up just because of the, the, the nature of his job. That's what he's done forever. And, and again, back to your comment, he wants to do a good job. Right. A good job was defined as attaching the there facts you go. log That's to, right. so therefore you've redefined the role, the job. And his emotional experience on knowing what success is. Right. Right? Because if I attach that and I do that thing, I know that I'm doing the right thing. And so I think, again, when we deal with our employees in, in, our, in this agency space, we hire folks that think about risk from a way that most humans don't. We bring them in and we sit them down and we train them on risk in a way that most humans don't. And then we kind of penalize them when they take a risky approach Correct. to technology. No question. And we don't think about the emotional impact. And so I think if the leader can, first of all, like for, for curiosity, remove firing as a fear for mistakes, right? Yes. Because if you can jack firing, if you can if you can remove penalization for mistakes out of there, if we're not talking negligence, we're not talking malfeasance, we're not talking ethical stuff. And we're not talking five mistakes in a row. That's correct. We're talking, <laughs> you know. they tried something, a client got ticked off because it didn't go the way they wanted to, you didn't lose the client, and you know, but you had to do some, some political patchwork. And I, I gotta jump in here because one of the, Amazon principles. So, long story here, but I'm doing a, a, some deep research into Amazon and really their leadership principles. One of them is around decision making. So, how can Amazon continue to be as innovative as they are? They're a huge company now. Usually, that means things slow down. Sure. 
well, 2017, Fast Company magazine ranked them as the most innovative company in the world, number one. How, why? Well, lots of reasons there. One of them is how they look at decision making. Now, I think it's really intriguing because they actually break decisions into two different kinds of decisions. The first kind of decision, which is the vast majority of decisions are reversible. There are decisions that I can go through that door. It's like, I go work. down that path. I go, if I go down there and I find, oh man, this is a maze, this, this is blocked, this is not the I right way. I can go way, back. I can go back. Right. There are some decisions, but actually very few, that are irreversible. Right, no, that makes and, sense. And so their mindset is, we make decisions rapidly. On the ones that we can. On, but, and we move that decision-making authority to the lowest level that we can. Sure. Now, on the really important decisions, we take a long time to do that. Right. So and, like, and we help define, okay, what are those two decisions? So I would say a lot of operational decisions are quick. Are, should be quick. Yeah. And you can, can be reversed. Well, because you're iterating through process so often Correct. to try to determine it. But I think okay, so if you if you're trying to band it that way, I think one of the one of the decisions that each agency has to make that has lasting ramifications that's not hard to reverse would be a hardware purchase. Mm -hmm. If they're still purchasing servers, if you're going to a cloud vendor and signing a multi-year contract, I mean, so that might be one of those that you do take more time. Take more time. You do more due diligence. Because it's harder to reverse. Absolutely. Right? Much harder to reverse. Mm -hmm. Where if I'm going to try to change a process to determine the nuance, as long as I have the metric to tell me if it's effective or not, now I can make that change rapidly because it's put down into this, it's, it's not as critical, right? It's not as critical. No, I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. So the other comment I want to make, and I've talked about this for years in terms of encouraging curiosity and and really building a culture of innovation, which honestly I think for most insurance organizations is, is not whether they are now. But create what I have called for years an operation enhancement team. Now kind of in the old days, like really old, you know, we called them the automation team. Or sure. the, you know, and, and it's identified group of people, could be just a couple, could be more, where people send their ideas. Yep. Or, where, or they it's where they their take ideas. their problems, right? They, and, or they say, you know what, I'm having a real problem with this, and here's a solution I've come up with. Amen. I think it might help others. Uh, and that team then evaluates it. Mm -hmm. So back to your comment earlier of, yeah, yeah, come in and, oh, no, we're not going to do that right now. Well, at least a couple things. One is I can get my idea out there. I get it presented to a, a broader group of people. We can decide, let's test it. Let's experiment. I think that's a good idea. I'm not sure it's going to work. Here are a couple of questions I have. Let's put it in a small group of people, maybe not even a department, but a, a team within a department. If you have that, let them test it for a week, a month, whatever the time period is, and then bring back. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't. Here's what our recommendation. And that way, everybody's idea gets a fair hearing. Yep. And some of those ideas, you're going to go, that's just not going to work. Right. And here's why. Because you know what? That idea you had two months ago has had significant impact. impact. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I mean, when I look at the role that I played at Crichton and at Lanier for some, for some extent, that's where I was. I mean, right, it was the problem solver. So I think what a great, because one of the things I don't think that leaders do effectively is they don't provide a lot of non-headcount addition help to managers. 
right? Like, okay, explain. Uh, so, so say that again. A manager hits a problem. They say, "Hey, we need more people." If that's the first avenue that the organization has allowed for problem solving, I need more headcount. That's gonna. That's a cultural kind of feeling, right? I get busy. I need more headcount. But if we can instill options for managers, like a problem solving department in the organization. And it could like, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. That could be one person that's been here for five years that is a little bit savvy with the way that different things interconnect, right? It does, we're not talking about anything formal. This could just be one central person that you say, hey, can we bounce some things off of you? Because that's probably what I get more well, than anything else. Can you try this for a week? Yeah, and, and see, see what happens. What yeah. Happens, see what you think. But if the managers hit a problem, I mean, I always think that they should evaluate, like you said, does the process need to exist? Can we automate the process? Can we outsource the process? And then... Do, I mean, but maybe it's, does the process need to exist? Take this to our team of, of folks to see what other problems have we solved in the organization mm -hmm. that may be able to lend itself to this problem. Yeah. So no, I think that's a great idea. And again, I think that comes from the top though, right? right? I mean, Absolutely. having that kind of ability. has to say, here's how we're gonna do that's this. Right. Here's the group, whoever that, you know, they decide is the, are the right people in there. And here's the process for the group. And I personally would, have always advocated that they take it an additional, at least an additional step, and actually reward the ideas that get implemented. Absolutely. It, a, a cash prize, yep. extra day off. It's not always money. No. Extra day off or extra Dude. week. I mean, if it has that much of an impact on the organization and you reward the person for coming up with the idea, guess what? the communication is going to be throughout the organization. Oh, yeah, and your ideas start going to be, humming. Your ideas start going. Yeah. How can I get That's right. an extra two days off for, you know, whatever what, whatever, what, whatever, whatever the incentive a is. A spa day. A, Hell, you know. sometimes, I mean, and so Crichton did do a good job at that. We had, we had, there was an awesome HR person, and so what they would do is they'd give a $250 reward to the individual and then $250 reward to the charity of their choice. Perfect. Right. Yeah. And and they would they would run a contest quarterly or biannually to generate these, and then but the person would come with a process and a plan. So again, leadership bought in, said we're going to structure a program around this mm -hmm. because we believe that the problems exist in those people at the lowest level, and they're going to have the solutions for it. So yeah, I mean, I think that if you can do that in your organization, you're you're winning all day, and I think all that contributes to speed as a value. If you could do those things, how fast would you be able to move? Right. Because I think that when we talk about that, that we are not fast. And we gotta get faster. We've gotta get faster. Gotta get faster. We actually had a whole, whole other episode that we did on yes. you know, speed uh, is a value. Uh, and, and it's in everything. I mean, it's our customer interaction, our, our interaction with our carrier partners, our internal speed of change and adoption and adapting to new stuff is, is key. And, and if in your organization, the leader doesn't set that tone. Who does? I mean, who's going to? No one else can. That's right, that's exactly I mean, correct. Literally no one else can Yeah, I mean, uh, at that point. But that, in my perfect scenario, that's what my leader does. And I've been lucky because I've worked with some leaders that are really good at that. And uh, I've worked with some that, that could, could use help. Could use help? Yeah. Or, for maybe some owners that are out there thinking, okay, I, I, I sort of get that. Maybe I haven't done this as well as I should have. What are some steps? What are what are some takeaways? What are some things they can do? I would think the main indicator that they could look at is can they can you look at your, one of your senior managers, and do you have metrics to to help them understand if they're doing a good job or not? And what would a metric be? So maybe your commercial lines uh, manager 
dealing with you know middle market accounts they, that they have a retention metric right maybe they have a increased service book metric for the account managers as you bring in technological solution right or out business outsourcing or whatever you're using but those would be a key metric where you say look if you're if you raise the books of business in this year by five percent um, so a, the book that a account manager is handling That's and right. responsible for. And if they had 20 people, mm -hmm. that would offload one FTE, okay. right? Because you have 5% well, of the book. A full-time person. That, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And to me, that would be a, a, a very clear metric that they are doing the right things. If you're retention, you, retention is a great operational uh, metric because if you have crappy operations, you have crappy retention. Right. You, can't, you cannot fulfill the promises that you're that you have you have made mm -hmm. right and so i think retention is always going to be a key indicator and then i really think that in a lot of cases we're going to go to like employee um engagement scores where you know nowadays you think about the technology it's really easy to do these snap polls on a manager how effective is your manager totally anonymous and you get 20 pieces of feedback instantly mm -hmm. because one of the core issues that we face in our industry is retaining employees right. So if you've got a high turnover manager, that may be somebody that you want to uh, to, to coach. Yes, or yeah. ask to leave. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But those, I mean, I think if you if you look at HR and you say, yeah, I, I, HR does a good job, and you tell and you ask yourself, well, how do I know that? I've got a gut feeling. You actually have metrics. I'm bringing on good hires. My retention of those hires are high. The culture, people are seeming happy. You know, when we do our polls, we're getting good feedback back. But I think each one of your operational areas, you've got to tie in some kind of metric that makes sense for you for you to help them understand that they're having a good week, a good month, a good year. Yep. And so on. Well, and again, I think that you know HR is a great example of that. You know, most HR directors aren't evaluated on the quality of their hires. Right. Right. And again, setting up those metrics that come back to them, right. because then that gives them incentive to make sure they're not just filling a desk or a position because they need it, but making sure that the right person is uh, coming in and filling that, that desk. So leadership's real key. It leadership's is. Leadership's key for defining roles. Mm -hmm. Leadership's key for defining the speed of the organization. Innovational spirit. Innovation, right? Mm -hmm. at, at least those things that are, again, kind of What's the it's word like word? intangible. Yeah, almost. that's a great word. That's yeah. that's what sort of what it's, they are intangible. Yeah, like you can't. It's hard and, to quantify. And they kind of ink through the organization. That's right. And if you're not one aware of them, and as you say, ask. Yeah. What are you having problems with? What can I help you with? What are the roadblocks you're facing? What are the right? All of that answers if they're willing to. And again, you got to create an environment the where trust. they can be honest. That's right. Build that trust, uh, and then take steps when they give you that feedback to figure out, okay, what are the solutions? Yeah. Could be technology, could be process, could be people, could be, who knows? But at least you start empowering your managers and your teams to deal with those issues. Right. And like you said, I mean, you're getting faster. And I think that at the end of the day, we got it. That's, you're doing most of this stuff so you can keep up. Yes. But at some point, we got to stop keeping up and we got to start winning races. Yeah, right? we've got to get, get out in front. Yeah. And I think we can. I mean, one of the things, our advantage is we're nimble. We're small. Most of us are small. Yeah. You know, we're not 500 million. We should million. be able to take advantage of that size. Take advantage size. of That's right. lots of things much quicker uh, than larger organizations do. These are important things. Culture, and, and you set that tone for your organization. So let us know what you think. Let us know your questions or maybe the problems you've run into. And, 
Uh, we'd love to interact and maybe um, talk about some of those questions and uh, answers on a, on a future episode. Yeah, if you're an ops team person and you have operational friction because of uh, poor role definition, hit us up. We'll keep it anonymous, but we'd love to, to get your feedback. Because I, I think that that is a rampant thing in our organizations that we don't see. Yeah. And uh, that we pick up operational pain from that. And, and we can never trace, trace back root cause. Yeah, so. what happens. Awesome conversation, Steve. Great. Thanks a bunch. Brian, appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, to the Digital Broker Podcast. I, I will say, if uh, you are listening to this for uh, from Google Play or for iTunes podcast or wherever you might get it, would love for you to go in and, and leave a review or comments. What do you think of the show? That really helps us it, and it helps others who might not know about the podcast yet be able to find it a little bit better. Those uh, search algorithms uh, really do rely a lot on your ratings and reviews. So hopefully you've enjoyed it. If uh, you have ideas for suggestions for improvements, we'd love to hear that also. We need your love. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Hey, thanks everybody. Have a great day. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Send us your questions and comments, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio Software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. To learn why over a thousand agents use Indio, go to www.useindio.com/podcast.